Welcome in, everybody. Welcome in Wednesday. How you doing? Hope everything's going well. Off week, obviously, for the Sooners after that uh, dramatic victory over Texas in the Cotton Bowl last week. We got a lot of things to talk about today. A lot of stuff happening today. And uh, we will have Cade McFarland also on to talk uh, not only OU Texas as a recap, but look ahead to uh, his Notre Dame Fighting Irish taking on Southern Cal, of course. Big week for Cade. Saturday night. Got to have Mule Shoe go down. I know Notre Dame is struggling, but uh, hopefully the Irish can get it done against uh, the USC Trojans and Mule Shoe coming up on Saturday night. Parker Thune, how's your Wednesday? My Wednesday's been pretty good so far, Steely. I mean, we are on the eve of what should be a commitment for Oklahoma, Daniel so that's Akin always Kumi. good news. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Akinkumi is uh, happening tomorrow, uh, and then we know that you've got Michael Boganowski coming up, so uh, a lot of stuff to talk about recruiting-wise as well. And EPL. also, it is officially fleece-line sweatpants season. There you go. It that's is a- officially cool enough that I can justify wearing them and be comfortable all day. Uh, fall is my favorite season, and it feels like it's uh, what it's going to be like eighty five though today, isn't it? But it's still not a hundred. Is it really? I think oh boy, it is. I didn't. I didn't bank on that. I didn't dress for that. So You're hopefully right. not. Hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. All right. Uh, so let's talk about Oklahoma, Texas. You've heard a lot of excuses from uh, Texans. You've heard, You've heard a lot of excuses from the national media, That's too. right, yeah. And you heard some from Steve Sarkeesian. We'll, we'll play with the sad violin coming up here in a little bit. Really? But, oh, the sad violin. Yeah, the sad, sad violin is, is uh, in the background. But uh, let's hear from some former Sooners who had a lot of experience in the Cotton Bowl and uh, victories over Texas. Tony Casillas on the 365 Sports Podcast talking about being very impressed with the 2023 Sooners. Here's what Tony Casillas had to say. Again, and it sounds like uh, that Tony Casillas is very impressed with OU so far. You're watching Oklahoma from last year and this year. There's leaps and bounds on the defense side of the ball. They, you know, they lead a lot of different categories and you know the top five in defense points allowed per game. So, you know, I really didn't know going into this game how, you know, how they would measure up because there's always this so-called measuring game, and I know that that's. You know, that's real. I know that as a player and also, you know, watching it as a fan. And so I really didn't know what to expect. But, you know, that display of defense and the way they resilience and and the negative plays and just keep coming at you and not making a lot of mistakes, I, I know that's a long, long answer. But, no, not the way they did it on uh, on Saturday. I, I think that Brent Venables has done a tremendous job and, and, and you can see – his cuts and the things they he's done in you know, second year in the league, especially compared to last year. That was pretty impressive, my friend, what they did at the Cotton Bowl last Saturday. There you go. Tony Casillas, this is the sound bite that I really like, though. This one right here, Tony Casillas talking about, you know, the style of defense for Oklahoma, and he said he thinks recruits will want to play in this kind of defense. It's a run blitz, pass blitz type of defense. And as a player, I'll tell you this right now, as a defensive player, you know, I, I really couldn't say that in the last 10 years. You guys alluded to it. You know, you come to Oklahoma, you're going to have fun playing on the, the defense. I mean, it's everything that a defensive player wants to play. You have a chance to make a lot of big plays, and really that's what you thrive on as a defensive player. So I am just really just uh, – it's amazing what they've done in, in two years. There you go. I love that soundbite right there because – 
when's the last time it was fun to watch Oklahoma play defense? When's the last time it was fun for the <laughs> players out there playing defense? And when was the last time, as a recruit, you could look and say, you know what, I want to play defense at Oklahoma. Look at the way they play. Look at the chances I'm going to have to make some plays and stand out. And I think Tony nailed it in that second soundbite right there. And you think about the inherent challenges that Oklahoma has had to overcome in order to land top defensive recruits in years past. Guys like Woody Washington, for instance. Guys like Robert Spears Jennings. Even Danny Stutzman, who committed to Oklahoma before ever taking a visit. You see these guys making big plays on Saturdays for Oklahoma and figure, man, when they recruited those dudes, the defensive reputation that they were recruiting around is nowhere near what it is today. How much easier is it going to be going forward for Venables and this staff to not only find and identify playmakers, but to sell those playmakers on what Oklahoma is building defensively? It's only going to get easier. Yeah, you see those, uh, by the way, the video that OU sent out last night, like I said, submitted to the uh, the Academy for best shorts. It was awesome, unbelievable. You, if you're a Sooner fan, you probably watched that 10 times by now. It was incredible. But how about the video, you know, you saw with Todd Bates and his guys, Miguel Chavis and his guys. Who wouldn't want to play for them? And, again, I understand six and seven – Last year was a disaster, but man, getting these guys in the portal, getting uh, a lot more as they've talked about, again, competitive depth and all of that, um, it is a situation right now where they're only going to get better. What I like about Saturday, and you can say, well, Oklahoma gave up, you know, 500-plus yards. Okay, yes, you're right. Texas, really good offense, really good offense, no doubt about it. But what impressed me the most was the fact that – when it was on the line, they were the more physical team, goal line stand, timely defense. It wasn't great defense throughout the entire football game, but when it mattered, Oklahoma was able to make plays. And Sark can talk about, well, you know, three turnovers, whatever. Oklahoma forced those turnovers. Well, and somebody on the text line is going 83rd in pass defense. 83rd. Again, consider the context there, because you could look at that statistic and say, Oklahoma's no better on defense. These morons have no idea what they're talking about. But you're missing important context. That context being, A, Oklahoma's been playing with a lead for the vast majority of the season, so opponents have had little to do but throw the ball. And secondly, okay, so they give up a few yards here. They give up a few yards there. You know what they've been excellent at? tightening up when they need to tighten up, and generating turnovers. They've got 12 interceptions this year. 12. Yeah, yeah. again, they haven't been the uh, anywhere near the 85 Bears. I get that. You can look at the numbers. Uh, but, you know, if you watch football, you, all you have to do is look and see they're a better defense. Look, Texas gashed them some. They got tired down the stretch a little bit. Jonathan Brooks on that long touchdown. There's stuff they still need to clean up, no doubt about it. But, again, they're playing aggressive defense. They're playing a lot better defense. And more than anything else, they're making plays when it matters on both sides of the football. That's a little bit of what the 2000 team did yet. I'm not ready to completely go there with this team yet, but that's what we saw time and time again go with that there. team. Do I it. I mean, can this Oklahoma team win a Do national it. championship? Yeah, I mean, they can in this I, year. I don't see one team I look at and go, man, I understand Georgia's back-to-back national champions. They're going to get better. They're, you know, they laid it on Kentucky pretty hard last week. 
but this Oklahoma team's going to get better. Well, and to me, through six weeks, I would say Michigan, in my eyes, has looked like the most dominant team Michigan's in college football. Really but even good, so, somebody pointed out to me the other day, and it's true, they've got like the 110th overall strength of schedule in the FBS. So what happens when they get challenged? Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, they've got uh, Ohio State in Ann Arbor this year, but at the same time, like I said, you just look at them. They're better tackling. They don't make every tackle. Texas is going to make you miss. Guess what? Texas has really good athletes, and I've seen a bunch of Texas fans, 500-plus yards, some deep. Okay? <laughs> and what do you're you have to the, show for You're it? at the one-yard line with four shots, okay? You had a chance to stop Oklahoma with the game on the line. You didn't. So, again, throw the stats out there all you want. It is a better defense. And the people who put out 83rd and pass defense, that's an Oklahoma State fan or somebody else. Um, And I'm not saying this defense is even close to perfect, but they are a ton better. Oh, gosh. Apparently Danny Stutzman is going to be on the Pat McAfee show later this afternoon. Here we go. Well, that's a match made in heaven right there. All right. Ortho Central Clip of the Day right there from uh, Tony Casillas. Ortho Central, Ortho Central with clinics in Norman, Midwest City. Now that uh, Tri City location, Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. These full service clinics do an unbelievable job. They're the best at treating orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. Thanks again to our friends at Lasher Home Comfort Systems, our opening hour sponsor right here on the ref, 405 579 3113. Excellent text on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line from Nick here in the 405. As I said yesterday, think about this. The last Natty team of 2000 wasn't perfect, but they found a way. We don't have to be perfect. We just have to capitalize on the moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, I I think you can make an argument for Oklahoma now. You can make an argument. They're in the mix. Uh, And again, they've continued to make big plays really with the game on the line. And the thing that it, it didn't shock me, but it did surprise me a little bit that again, the Sooners were the more physical team. That was the area where Texas was supposed to have an advantage, right? And for the most part, the Sooners were the more physical team most of the afternoon down in Dallas. All right, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Uh, please use the text line, 405-651-3439. we got a ton of those rolling in. If we don't get to yours, try resending it. We get a ton of, we get a ton of texts flying in here. So don't take it personally if we miss a couple because that happens. But we want your text and answer this question. We're going to talk about this next. Our top 10 performers for the Sooners this season. We'll rank them coming up next right here on The Ref. We are back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Wednesday edition. Hour number one presented again by last year. Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. 16 years in the Oklahoma City area. Great reputation. Heating and air problems. Lasher. Home Comfort Systems, home comfort you can trust. Give them a call at 405-579-3113. All right, so I was thinking about midway point of the season. Top 10 performers for the Sooners so far this season. Now, again, this isn't like best player, best prospect, best you know guy with the best chance to be a, you know in the NFL or whatever. Best performers this season. What have you done for me lately? That's basically. right. 
So I can tell um, you who are one and two. Yes, I'm sure you can. Dylan Gabriel one, Danny Stutzman two. And I'd I'd be okay if you put Stutzman one and you Gabriel flip two yeah. as well. Those two are virtually interchangeable. I mean, top. Danny's basically the quarterback of the defense, right? So Dylan Gabriel one, Danny Stutzman number two. Number three for me, I put Gentry Williams number three. Okay, now I don't disagree. I don't think that's a bad call. Gentry Williams is certainly in the top five for me. But, especially because of what just happened on Saturday, and given the greater context of what he's accomplished thus far in his redshirt freshman season, Nick Anderson is number three for me. Really? Yes. Wow. How about that? I had uh, Billy Bowman number four. Okay. I had Andrew Anthony number five. I actually had Drake Stoops, number six. I had Anderson just missing out on the top ten. Now he's got six Whoa, touchdowns. Whoa, you had him out of the top ten six entirely. Six touchdowns. Yeah, six 11 touchdowns. receptions, six touchdowns. Great ratio. And I, I may get ratioed on this. I probably will. But I had Drake because Drake does so many other things, too. All those blocks that he makes on the edge when he's not catching a pass. Uh, I had Woody Washington, seven. Tawi Walker, eight. Jalil Farouk, nine. Jaron Canick, 10. With just missing out, Nick Anderson, Peyton Bowen. And I was thinking about somebody. I'm not smart enough to know the offensive line play. I know that Guyton and Rouse have been really good. Um, Isaiah Coe has been really good. The defensive line has been really good. But those were my 10. Nick Anderson, though, you've got to say this. The dude is like uh, they used to say, you know, on um, – you know, about Chris Carter, only catches touchdowns pretty much. He's been huge. And he's got a chance now with Andrew Anthony out for the year to have even more of an impact. He's just got a knack for being in the right place at the right time and being open at the right time. In most cases, wide open. Yeah. You look at his six touchdowns, how many of those have come on a pass where he's gotten five yards plus of separation? The average per catch – for some of the Sooner receivers, is amazing. Nick Anderson averaging 25 yards of reception. <laughs> That'll play. Jalil Farouk is averaging 21 yards of reception. And Andrew Anthony was averaging almost 17 yards of reception. That's getting the ball downfield, right? Big and, time. you know, for Farouk, of course, some of that is uh, yards after completion. But still, that's big time. All right, so... Where else do you disagree? Nick okay. Anderson, and I think probably a lot of people, I thinking about, I may have had Nick Anderson too low. He should probably be somewhere in the top ten. I have Nick Anderson at three. Okay. I have Andrell Anthony at four. Right. Because he had far and away, until the injury, been Oklahoma's most productive receiver and most consistent receiver in terms of stable production week to week. So I would put Anthony at four. I would put Billy Bowman at five. Okay. Um. Beyond that, I would probably go Farouk 6. I would say Woody Washington is number 7. Wait, did I skip Gentry Williams? I think I skipped Gentry Williams. I thought you said you'd have him No, somewhere. you said Gentry. Yeah, you I said Gentry Williams. Three. I completely omitted Gentry Williams so somehow. So, okay. Danny. Yeah, okay. Nick so, Anderson Nick Anderson. Three. And then I would say Andrell Gentry's at 5 Okay. All right. Then we're going to go Billy Bowman. Right. Jalil Farouk. So that's seven. Woody Washington at number eight. Number nine for me is Tawi Walker. It's a shame he can't be higher. I don't I I would feel 
I don't feel like I can push him much higher, but he has been a revelation out of this backfield. Nobody, nobody was talking about that guy coming into the year. He was just an also-ran walk-on. We thought it was going to be Gavin Sawchuk and Javante Barnes, and it was a matter of when, not if. I mean, even after the first few games, you figured, okay, well, it's yeah. not too much longer oh, yeah, until yeah. Sawchuk and well, Barnes take over. Well, we're still thinking about they're more highly recruited, obviously. You're thinking yeah. about what both those guys went over 100 yards in the Cheez It Bowl against a pretty good Florida State team, right? So you're thinking, oh, yeah, big time. Um, and then you need one more. I had Jaron Canick, number 10. At number 10? He's had some busts, but he's also I, he's a leading tackler. He, he's, he's made strides. Daddy has, certainly. He's just outside the top 10 for me. Okay. I would say number 10 has got to be Peyton Bowen. I was really close putting him in, too. He yeah. and Nick Anderson, I'm like, ah, okay. I was looking like, at the numbers. There, there are a number of viable candidates there. You could go Drake Stoops. Uh, you could go with a guy like Walter Rouse. You could go yeah. with... Uh, a defensive lineman like Ethan Downs or like Dejon Terry, who really had a nice day last Saturday. Terry played but, great, man. He played great. I just, with as many plays as Peyton Bowen has made, and it's not it, it's not the type of thing where he's been in on every single tackle defensively, or you know, it seems like you're calling his name every single time the ball is snapped. But when you are saying Peyton Bowen's name. It's because he just made a huge play in the football. Well, game. and that's the thing again. It probably I, I sh- probably should have put Nick Anderson in there too because anytime he touches the football, it's a big play. And Peyton Bowen, I think Peyton Bowen is like their fourth leading tackler too. If I'm not mistaken, fourth or fifth somewhere. Stutzman's number one. I think Canick, uh, you know, is is way up there. I think Canick maybe second. But anyway, um, he's had a great year. So. It's kind of hard to do. See, I'm a huge Drake Stoops guy because I think he does so many things aside from, you know, making the big catches. He's so tough. And the blocks, he's such an excellent blocker as well that I put Drake at number six. So, anyway. All right, 405-651-3439. What do you guys think? Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Let's do it. Okay, Ronnie Crimson says Ethan Downs took so much heat this offseason and he's balling out. Yeah, you're right. A uh, listener in the 405 says, number three is Woody Washington. Woody's His name really doesn't good. get called very much, which means he's doing a great job. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> on the text line said, I do this. Uh, so Sincerely, good. Nick with a C, Anderson. That video was so good. I love it. Slim Brady says, it's never about what's on the line. It's about who owns the line. Another, Everybody's quote the video. And another great line. You got to love it. As Toby Rowland would say, this comes from a 405 listener, Double OQ is one of the most underrated players on the roster. That dude is having an amazing season. I think he should be in the top five. That's my opinion. You know, here's the thing. I had him ninth, but, yeah, you could certainly make a case. What I loved again Saturday, one of my favorite moments, is the Jalil Farouk meets Jon Snow moment when the dude was just standing out there like, run past me. Come on, just do it. I'm standing right here. I'm not moving my feet at all. We're here. We're here to uh, to get our revenge from a year ago. So Farouk has been uh, tremendous as well. Okay, 405-651-3439. Air Force One Fish Guy says, isn't it great that we can argue top ten because we have so many players that you could put in it? I think about trying to assemble this list last year, Steely. Yeah, you get to like six you or seven. Yeah, like, you get to six or seven and be like, "Well, who deserves to be on this list?" <laughs> yeah, it, it was hard. 
to pare it down. It was hard to pare. And like, like I said, I'm not smart enough in general, but especially not smart enough to uh, be able to evaluate the offensive line. I know that Walter Rouse has been really good. Tyler Guyton has been really good. Guard situation's been, you know, up in the air. But, um, yeah, clearly the two are really two quarterbacks on this football team. Dylan Gabriel for the offense, Danny Stutzman for the defense. Uh, many on the text line are asking where they can see the video that we're referencing. Many are asking where they can see the Jalil Farouk stare down. Listen, folks, I'm going to give you the simp- simplest way. You might not like it. Get on Twitter. You don't have to hang mm-hmm. out there. But if you want to see a lot of content that OU football puts out, a lot of OU football-related content that is created by fans and members of the media alike, if you want your if you want to diversify your palate as it pertains to consumption of OU football content, Twitter is where you want to be. Does does OU have that video like on just Soonersports.com? Do we know? Maybe. You might be dealing with a few olds who don't like Twitter or X. I know they put it on on Instagram, but they I mean did. like a video like that is primarily produced for social media. So, yeah, got to be on social media Um, (laughs) from the 918. Do not disagree with the pecking order, but the punter needs to be at the bottom. Do they ever recruit punters? (laughs) Well, they got Michael Turk, right? He was at Arizona State, correct, before he came to OU, portal guy. But Plaster was at Arizona State. They recruited Um, some, right? They lost a punter to the portal in the offseason. Brady Braun went to Louisiana Monroe. But they brought in two transfers, two new ones, Luke Elzinga, Ashton Logan. It's something they got to figure out, though. From the 818, give me the Coach Bates same-day delivery butt-whooping <laughs> shirt all day. That video, like I'm saying, was just phenomenal. Um, man, I don't. let me see if it's on Sooner Sports because other than that um, – yeah, you're gonna have to get on Twitter or Instagram to find it. That's just that's just the way it is. Yeah, I put it's on my Twitter account. I put out the uh, Farouk meets John Snow deal. Old man almost went viral on that. How about really? that? Old man almost. Went Old vi- man almost. Oh, went what viral. is considered going viral? I don't know. It had like forty thousand, and I just thought, wait, man, forty thousand? Forty thousand? What? I don't impressions or oh, whatever impressed. they are. Okay, well, so it's probably not viral. See, he's laughing at me now. He sneered. He looked at me <laughs> like, please, dude. That's pretty good for a 60-year-old man, all right? Let's see. I'm going to go find out how many, how much, uh, how much action that tweet of yours how... got. Okay. We can, we can quantify it as pseudo-viral, potentially. Pseudo-viral. Um, okay, where's, where is it? How, how long ago did you – oh, yeah, here you go. Farouk, Jon Snow. Pseudo-viral, yes. How 107 many? retweets, 1,497 likes. Really? Wow. How about that for a 60-year-old dude? That's, I mean, that's, I might be the number one geriatric on social media. There you go. I have no idea what this is that just came in on, oh, okay. Yeah, the Todd Bates video. Somebody sent me the Todd Bates video, which I've already seen, but thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer, Chevrolet Tax Line. All right, break time right here. We will uh, come back. We'll get to more of your texts and uh, talk more about the Sooners. By the way, we've got the Sark uh, video with the sad, uh, the Sark audio with the sad violin coming up because 
All I'm hearing is excuses from Texas. I want another one. I want round two. Let's do it. Be right back. (laughs) Well done, sir. Well done. Oh, poor Texas. They can't believe they lost to Oklahoma. How in the world did the Longhorns, who went to Tuscaloosa and took down a Triple A at the time, not Major League Alabama team, but it's still a nice win. They can't figure out how in the world they lost to Oklahoma over the weekend. Still trying to figure it out. I'm curious to see, and I don't know if that's been talked about as much as it probably will be, uh, maybe on the other side of the bye week, because both Oklahoma and Texas are off this upcoming week. But when you see Texas beat Alabama in the fashion that they did, where there's not really anything fluky about it. And then you see Oklahoma turn around and beat Texas in the manner that they did. And there's absolutely nothing fluky about what the Sooners did on Saturday in the Cotton Bowl. What does that say? And who does it say more for? Is Alabama that down in 2023? Or is Oklahoma that good? I think, look, Alabama, you still got great athletes. I know that clearly you don't have Bryce Young anymore. Jalen Milrow seemed, you know, like a guy that was, um, you know, he's a great athlete, wasn't a great thrower of the football, certainly in that game. Uh, Texas made big plays. Texas was the more physical team in that Alabama matchup. But the Sooners, I think, uh, won, a, won a decision over Texas in terms of physicality and toughness in the Cotton Bowl on Saturday. It's kind of tough to do comparative scores, you know. But, um, you know, it's, I, I think what we've learned, bottom line, is this Oklahoma football team, we knew they were going to be improved. We knew they had a relatively cake schedule. But they're better than when we thought they were going to be. We were thinking, all right, you should go 10-2 and two with this schedule, maybe 11-1, and one, have a chance to win the Big 12 championship. But this is a team that, you know, not only can win the league to get to the playoff, and who knows? Like I said, I wouldn't pick Oklahoma to win it, obviously. But if you get there, you've got a shot. And I've seen this team make enough big plays to say there might be something special about this team. And you can throw out 83rd and pass. All you have to do is look at when they've had to make big plays. For the most part, they have. And they did it time and time again on Saturday. So what you're saying is they aren't who we thought they were. No, they're not. They're not. Uh, do you want to hear Steve Sarkeesian? Because uh, here of course he is I want to with his Steve press Sarkeesian. conference the other day. And for the most part, I like Sark. But he was he's, I guess he's trying to explain away to his fan base, which is still – in shock, and they can't believe they lost to lowly Oklahoma, even though they've been dominated by Oklahoma uh, pretty much since Bob Stoops arrived on the scene. Um, but here's what Sark had to say. We threw in the uh, sad violin as well. Three to nothing in turnovers was an issue. The nine penalties were an issue because that was, that's out of character for us. Uh, the pre-snap penalties uh, were an issue. Um, obviously, the unsportsmanlike conduct after the block punt, uh, you know, roughing the punter, uh, which in turn they end up scoring on that drive. So those were those were issues in the game. You know, three red zone trips for us to to only come out of those those three trips with three points. 
you know, and, you know, because you know our ability to move the ball wasn't in question, but our ability to, to put the ball in the end zone was. Um, and then conversely, they have six trips into the red area and they score 34 points. I think that the biggest thing that comes out of this for me is, you know, with um, with all that being said, we had a great opportunity to win the game with all the things that I just talked about. Um, and if that's our worst, we're going to be okay. Oh, boo-hoo. Let me play a sad song for you on the world's smallest violin. That does pierce the ears a little bit, but what about? I was going to say that's not really sad violin. That's like annoying violin. Yeah, yeah a little mean, bit maybe, but yeah. Here's the deal: stressful violin. Sark talking about their opportunities in the red zone. Whose fault is that? Yours. And not only that, coaching like a wimp down the stretch. What did you hear from Brent in that video? Aggressive in everything we do. We're coming after them. Do you, do you, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's expand this conversation a little bit. You actually think down the stretch that Sark coached like a wimp? I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just wondering. A little like, bit, yes. A little bit. I think he was a little bit too conservative. Okay, like such as? Well, I, I thought they were, you know, really just thinking field goal pretty much the whole time. He was kind of coaching that way. And maybe a lot of coaches do that. But the other part of that thing is Texas's red zone offense was struggling coming into the Oklahoma game. They haven't been very good in the red zone. Oklahoma has been pretty darn good in the red zone. And that played out on Saturday. And, again, I didn't see Quinn Ewers running around and just drop the football. I saw him get crunched by Peyton Bowen. I saw the Sooners make a great read in knowing what that pass was going to be early in the game on the first possession. These weren't like unforced errors. Oklahoma played a part in them. So, And I still think Texas is a good football team. I really do. But it's almost like, man, I just can't believe all the errors we made. <laughs> Oklahoma didn't play a great game either. They didn't play a clean game. Their defense started getting tired. They did give up 500 yards. But when they needed to make plays, they made them. Texas didn't. Any thoughts? No, I mean, you're spot on. You didn't, and, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I, Not only did I go pseudo-viral, <laughs> I am now spot on as well. Thank you. I mean, listen, the reason you're an Oklahoma radio legend, Steely, oh, is yeah. because the takes are generally strong. I was so and, excited. I thought I'd gone viral. You said it's got to be a, pseudo-viral. Like, a, like a million pseudo-viral. likes or something. I'll never 10, get 000. that. 10,000 10, likes? 10,000. That's the viral threshold. Really? I, see, I don't even know what the viral threshold is. I was just thinking, hey, I was flexing for an old man. Look at that, huh? Right there. You see that? Big Bad Wolf says you guys are just the absolute best. No, you're the absolute best. Yeah, Big you Bad are, Wolf. Big Bad Wolf. Thank you. Uh, Nick says the real problem is the Texas fan base was brainwashed in the offseason that Texas is back. That's the real problem. Yeah, no one is talking about Levy and his play calling. Uh, three turnovers and only seven points. Should have won by 21. Is that it? I thought Levy was good, man. Didn't you? I, I thought, again, they had to get creative in the running game. Dylan, we knew he was yeah. going to have to run the football. Bob Stoops came on this program, not this program, but on this station, and talked about how good he thought Jeff Levy was. Bob Stoops knows a thing or two about football. Bob Stoops knows football. He knows tequila. He knows golf. He knows how to come in 
when the program needs a handyman to do a job, you call not only Bob Stoops back in his prime, but latter-day Bob Stoops, who can also get it done. And with regard to Levy and his play calling, again, I I almost feel as though it's not the same conversation as the one we've been having all week with Dylan Gabriel, but it's similar. Are you really going to beef with Jeff Levy? after he just dialed up a five-play, 75-yard drive with no timeouts in crunch time to win you a football game. And also, consider the context of the three turnovers. Right, The Sooners took advantage of Gentry Williams' pick on Texas's opening possession, went right down the field and scored a touchdown. The second pick, Kendall Dolby corralled it, and Oklahoma was in the shadow of the Texas end zone. Yeah. And so they were pretty backed up as it was. They ended up having to punt after a three and out, and that was the punt that got blocked. I can't for the life of me remember what happened on the drive after Peyton Bowen punched the ball out from Quinn Ewers. But three turnovers, seven points, okay, sure. Maybe you'd like that ratio. Maybe you'd like that number to be a little bit better. But all things considered, I don't look at it as a glaring issue. Yeah, and look, if you want to nitpick, that's fine. And look, they maybe they should have had more points on that. The one – thing that was frustrating I think for Sooner fans you get the dub and that's awesome but I felt like they were right there Texas was woozy man it was like a standing eight count they had a chance maybe to deliver a uh, knockout blow and they didn't Uh, but it didn't matter because that that's where you know Texas scores 13 unanswered points and you're thinking man now can Oklahoma overcome this and they did with that big drive but they had chances again where they could have delivered the knockout blow, whether it was a missed field goal, whether it was um, Tawi Walker, you know. And the, yeah, the pass was a little bit low from Dylan Gabriel, but should have been seven rather than three. Things like that where you kind of feel like, all right, I don't know if, you know, if they score here, Texas may not be able to recover. It may be all over. And they didn't quite get that done until the last drive. All right, break time right here. Keep those texts rolling in, 405-651-3439. What is Steely's handle on Twitter? Uh, Mike Steely at Steely on Sports. So, yes, just at Steely on Sports. Break time right here. Parker's got you. Did you retweet that video yesterday? Which video? Uh, the OU video that the seven minute cinematic masterpiece. No, I don't know if I retweeted it. I, get, I didn't get around to watching it until about nine last night. But, of course, I had people blowing me up about it. Have you seen this video? Have you seen this video? Have you seen this video? It lives up to the billing. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, you're going to want to watch it. It is. Uh, it's, it's tremendous. All right, break time. Coming back, more of your texts on the way next, right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Always a great time. We always appreciate Riverwind Casino for everything they do, sponsoring our hotline. We're out there on Fridays, OEC Fiber Football Fridays at Riverwind. Always a great time. They have added some new shows to the Showplace Theater. Ron White and Midland will be coming to the Showplace Theater in December. On December 30th for Ron White, Midland on New Year's Eve. Tickets go on sale this Friday. And they just announced that Scotty McCreary is coming to the Showplace Theater in February. That'll be February 23rd. Tickets also go on sale for that show on Friday. And don't forget, we have a big-time show happening at the Showplace Theater uh, this Saturday night with Carly Pierce, which will be big-time. 
and uh, the Gin Blossoms and Tonic, the Beach and Bites show coming up on a Sunday night, October 22nd, outdoors on the Coupe Works Beach and Bites stage. Great food trucks everywhere. Not a bad seat in the house. You can only imagine the, the weather's going to be tremendous for an evening concert with the Gin Blossoms and Tonic outdoors. Tickets for those shows, the Beats and Bites shows, are only 10 bucks. Really one of the best entertainment values in the area, those Beats and Bites concerts. And we have a show with Rodney Carrington coming up at the Showplace Theater in October. So, And don't forget this Friday night, another round of drawings for the 80K Friday Night Frights promotion. Get out there and win your, thousand, uh, win your share of a bunch of dollars, win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play from our friends at Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Okay, 405-651-3439. Here we go. Dan in Madison, Mississippi, says, On Levy, consider the brilliant QB draw on the fourth play of the last drive. We got down there too fast, and the run allowed us to burn some clock. Score with 40 seconds versus 15, and the game could get hairy. And it almost did. Steely, I mean, Texas got to the Oklahoma 44-yard line for that final Hail Mary attempt. If you give them another couple snaps there to get even closer, yeah, you're sweating it out down the stretch. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, are we going to get round two? By the way, can we pull up the Bob Stoops clip? Uh, Bob on the rush wasn't ready to talk rematch because everybody's, oh, yeah, it's already it's Oklahoma, Texas. They've separated themselves, and they probably have, but I love Bob's reaction when he was asked about it by Teddy the other day. It feels like Oklahoma and Texas have kind of uh, distanced themselves from maybe the rest of the Big 12. Obviously, got to handle business, but it seems likely. Well, the coach in me says that's not even worth talking about right now. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, bottom line is, you know, you got a week to – Regroup, you know, rest up, heal up, get extra work on Central Florida, and then you play it and let it come to you as it does. Uh, there's no sense in, you know, even thinking or talking about that as a coach, and they won't. You know, I know Brent won't and team won't. They just take it as it comes. But we put ourselves in a great position, and, uh, you know, so it'll it'll be great, you know, if, if we're in that championship game playing whoever. There you go. There you go. Bob Stoops is on the rush Monday. And, uh, yeah, we talked about this. I really believe that this staff, the way Brent goes about his business, you know, treat every day the same. You know, the best is the standard and everything you do. You know, you're going to brush your teeth. You better be the best at it you could possibly be. So does that mean that Oklahoma wins out? I mean, they're favored to win every game, right? But I think they will do a really good job of locking in. Better than the previous head coach. I was going to use another word, but anyway. What word were you going to use? Just out of curiosity. The previous head starts with a B, ends with a D. But I decided, no, 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 no. I should do that. (laughs) From the 405. Steely, do we need to get an NIL deal for Uncle for his bail money? (laughs) Seems like every year he needs bail money. I don't claim the man. I mean, sometimes you always have that one guy in the family. I'm sure he says that about me, you know. Tommy says, as I've listened and read since the game, you'd think that Texas fans think we're Vanderbilt. I I think they are just shocked that, number one, I don't think they realized 49 nothing against an Oklahoma team that was a 
sad representation of an Oklahoma football team last year. Just because, look, oh, you should never be in that situation where the backup quarterback is that big of a drop-off. I mean, it was like from the penthouse to the outhouse. But that's what happened. And that team had its will stolen in that game. Doesn't happen to Oklahoma very often. But when you literally can't make a first down hardly, I don't care how hard you play on defense, eventually Mike Singletary is probably going to have a problem, you know, some of the great players of all time. But I just don't think they can believe that, oh, my, how, surely they didn't turn it around that quickly. But they have. They have. Michael from OKC says, the only thing better than beating the Shorthorns is the never-ending excuses by Tejas and mainstream sports media, which is free fuel for OU to beat them a second time in the Big 12 championship game. I think that's a good point, yeah. Greg and Muskogee, Steelman, are you ready to uh, update your prediction on wins and losses for Oklahoma now? Yes. Um, I don't see how they don't run the table now. Look, I was a 10-2 and two guy. And oh, boy. We, uh, oh, I was, boy. Here I, comes the rat poison. I know. I was a 10-2 and two guy, but I had to see it to believe it. I really did. And I'd seen a lot of good stuff leading up to the Cotton Bowl. But I had to see it get done in the Cotton Bowl, and particularly with DG. And I know he's played great, and I know he's been a different quarterback. But I had to see it happen. I saw it happen. I saw that defense with that goal line stand. Like the, the monkey saying, I'm a believer now. So, Oh, boy. You, the are menu you, this morning for Steely. Raspberry you, zingers, monster energy, and rat poison. Uh, well, you're you're going twelve and zero though. You were eleven and one before the season. You've upgraded now, I, haven't uh, you, man? You're I, only doing that out of paranoia. Not, well, that's probably true, Steely. And that's, that's why probably true. That's kind of where I was. I was like, I think they're going to be really good, but I don't know yet. Yeah, Kansas will be tough. BYU will be tough. They got to handle business before they start looking ahead to a rematch in Texas. I don't care how good you are, it's tough to go undefeated. It really is. All right, thanks, Lasher. Home Comfort Systems, another award winning, probably not. Hour to go coming up next. Yes, we're going to be talking another 60 minutes here. All right, welcome back, Mike Steely, Parker Thune. Oh, my gosh, that uh, T-shirt that Baker's got, the old creamsicle Buccaneers uniform. Mm. Very nice. They're bringing it back at some point this year, aren't they? The creamsicle? I think they have uh, a big game hosting the Lions. The Lions are 4-1. And And, uh, the Bucs are also off to a really good start. Obviously, they lost to the Eagles, but that's the uh, 3-30 game on Fox this Sunday. Maybe they're wearing it this Sunday since he's wearing it at the press conference. I love how back in the day the creamsicles were considered the ugliest uniforms oh, yeah, yeah, in the yeah, NFL. Yeah. And now we're all like, bring back the creamsicles. I always, That's the power of nostalgia it, right there, it folks. It is. It is. But uh, Baker's played great so far this season, and uh, we'll see what happens coming up this Sunday. I know my wife, the lovely Shay, will be camped out watching, uh, you know, she's the one who decided – we're going to get the NFL Sunday ticket because we always were red zone. And uh, she decided, I want to see every Baker game. So I said, you want to get the Sunday ticket? I was it's worth make asking. Purchase. And she said, quotes, already got it. Now that's a winning <laughs> wife right there. It's worth, worth asking the question, is there a bigger Baker Mayfield fan than Shay Steely? She's 
She's up there. She's got to be high. pretty high on the power rankings. Yeah, yeah. All right, 405-651-3439. Uh, Oklahoma Generator sponsoring our second hour. Go to okgen.com. You can call them at 405-321-6631. They are Oklahoma's highest rated and longest operating Generac dealer. Currently, they are offering new customer discounts and a free 10-year warranty with new installations. Oklahoma Generator. Go to okgen.com. And again, that number, 405-321-6631. All right, if you were with us during the first hour, and hopefully you were, uh, you're going to hear this soundbite for the second time. But I, I like this soundbite because Tony Casillas on the 365 Sports Podcast, as I said, I think 98% of human beings now have a podcast. And the and only also, ones- 365 Sports, does it get any more generic in terms of names for a podcast? Not really. Not really. But uh, so I thought, all right, I don't see what Tony C. has to say. And I like this soundbite because Tony Casillas was talking about the style of the Oklahoma defense. And he says he thinks recruits really will want to play in this kind of defense. It's a run blitz, pass blitz type of defense. And as a player, I'll tell you this right now, as a defensive player, you know, I, I really couldn't say that in the last 10 years. You guys alluded to it. You know, you come to Oklahoma, you're going to have fun playing on the, the defense. I mean, it's everything that a defensive player wants to play. You have a chance to make a lot of big plays, and really that's what you thrive on as a defensive player. So I am just really just uh, – it's amazing what they've done in, in two years. There you go. And, uh, Parker, we have talked about, and the Sooners have upgraded their recruiting, no doubt, with defensive line prospects, whether it's uh, interior or defensive end. You've seen what P.J.'s done already. Uh, He's been really good, and he's only going to get a lot better. But um, I I think he's on the money there because you watch. They're very aggressive. Brent has always brought a lot of different blitzes, and they get after you. They come after you. And – if I'm Williams Winery and I'm thinking, I wonder what the OU game looked like. Now, they gave up a bunch of yards. And if you heard from Brent, and I know you guys did on, on Monday, he was like, man, we left a lot. You know, we didn't play our, nearly our best. But what they did, more than anything else I thought over the weekend, was they were able to create havoc, force some turnovers, and, like I said, forced those turnovers. They weren't just fluke, run-of-the-mill, Quinn Ewers, oh, I just dropped the ball or whatever. They forced those turnovers. And that goal line stand, again, nothing exemplifies, you know, Brent's culture kicking in as much as that, what happened over the weekend. So, but we've talked about recruits wanting to come play for Brent, for Todd Bates, guys like that. How can you not like Miguel Chavis? You know, those guys, Brandon Hall's been a great recruiter as well. But you look at, and Jay Belay, but you look at six and seven from a year ago, and people are thinking, oh, okay, when's that going to kick in? And it's starting to happen. So what are you thinking now with these recruits moving forward? We already thought they'd do really well. Now if you stack a really good defensive year on a playoff season, look out. Ask me where I'll be tomorrow. Or you can take a guess. Where are you going to be tomorrow? Do you want to take a guess? Williams Winery. Kansas City. Well, that's not a place, but yes. Yes, you'll be. Yes, Lee's Win- Summit, Missouri. Winneryville. That's where you'll be. Lee's Summit, Missouri. That's where I'll be tomorrow. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, man, especially with the last few pieces of the class starting to fall into place, 
Akin Kunmi tomorrow, Michael Boganowski next week. Both of those expected to go OU's way. You're going to be sitting at 26 scholarship commits and that's once you add those two. EPL so, is coming, you would think, you eventually. You got EPL. There's 27. Oklahoma looks real, real good in that race. Grant Bricks, 28. Grant Bricks would potentially be 28. And then, man, it's uh, – Devon Jordan's kind of a wild card right now. Reggie Powers. Reggie Powers is kind of a wild card as well. But in terms of guys that are committed elsewhere right now that you're going to keep swinging at, the list is twofold. Williams Winery, Bryant Wesco. And, look, Missouri's 5-1. and one. So, at least in terms of holding up their end of the bargain and keeping Winery committed, they're outperforming expectations. Clemson, on the other hand... Clemson's given Bryant Wesco a lot of reason to look around. Yeah. And uh, Mizzou has Mark Stoops in Kentucky this weekend. That's right. So, uh, hopefully. I believe I locked Kentucky in the referral rumble. That one's in Lexington, right? Yeah, and Kentucky was only a two-and-a-half point favorite, I think. So, yeah. I was like, shoot, Kentucky by a field goal to hit that lock? Absolutely. Mark Stoops has been great, too. In his press conferences, you know, with the uh, pounding beers early and then talking about, yeah, well, well Georgia's got some players who they paid a lot of money for. <laughs> you know, you want to help us? <laughs> right as a check, basically. He's right. Okay, 405-651-3439 is the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Dave from Mizzou says, does OU take BOGO, Powers, or both? It's getting crowded. I think they would take both. Based on what I know, they'd be willing to take both. I think the question then becomes, does Reggie Powers really want to jump on board with an Oklahoma class that already has three safety commits and five total defensive backs? Yeah, That, to me, is the bigger question. Uh, Let's see what else. Brent from Jenks says, Texas fans believed and bought in all the media hype that they were actually back. OU rocked their world Saturday. Watching Texas fans make excuses and cry is just the best. Texas fans are in shock and denial. Isn't this the best? Yeah, well, look, um, I just don't think they can accept the fact that, wow, you know, how does it go from 49 to nothing to us losing to Oklahoma? We went to Alabama and won the game. How does this happen? It happened because Oklahoma got a lot better. You guys are good. Texas is a good football team. I don't sit here and think, man, that's not a very good football team. But Oklahoma was the tougher team, and they were the more clutch team last week. And you can talk about yards and all of that. Oklahoma, when they had to bow up and make a play, they did. And somebody asked me, you know, what was the the one thing that impressed me most about OU's victory? And it was their toughness. In those moments, the goal line stand. And for Dylan Gabriel again to have the moxie to go down there and not flinch and execute that drive. I wasn't sure he could do it, and he did. Somebody on the text line says, Mule Shoes goal line package would have had a three-man front. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Notre Dame, score 60 this weekend, please. Caleb from the 580 says, Boganowski commitment date? October 19th, Caleb. October 19th. Kansas State picked a bad weekend to be on a bad game to be on ESPN and look absolutely horrible. Landon in the 405 wants to know how many games has Jackson Arnold played in? I couldn't believe we didn't see an Arnold package in the Texas game. Could we be trying to save him for a red shirt year? 
no, I don't think Oklahoma intends to redshirt Dylan or to redshirt Jackson Arnold. Excuse me, because it doesn't really make sense to redshirt that guy. He's not going to be an Oklahoma Sooner for five years, in all likelihood, and that's the only scenario in which you would redshirt the guy. What if DG comes back? And that's been an interesting conversation that started to I mean, percolate. Well, only it? because, let's say, Oklahoma gets really, really close and they don't quite finish the job. Let's say they get to the playoff. Maybe they get to the championship game and come up just short. Then what happens? I just think, like, is Dylan Gabriel going to want to be 24 years old playing college football at that point? Or is he just going to want to – you know, cash his chips in, go make a couple million bucks on an NFL roster somewhere because he will make an NFL roster at this point. Like that was the question that a lot of folks had going into the year is, okay, is he good enough? Yeah. He's proven that he's good enough. The guy that plank had on uh, Jim Nagy, who runs the senior bowl, their scout and every day runs the senior bowl said that he projects as a guy that's going to be drafted and be, you know, considered like a backup guy. Exactly. So exactly. And there's no shame in that whatsoever. As Chase Daniel has proven heck as Colt McCoy has proven, you can make a dang good living being a backup quarterback in the NFL. Chase Daniel consumed his own mucus and still made millions in that role. Booger Boy Daniel, I'm sure he's got a nice yacht somewhere, right? He's made over $75 million. I would say he's so, yes. probably parked in the Bahamas right now. He's just waiting for the uh, postseason. Brent from Jenks said, Hadn't, haven't the coaches... BV and Levy already said this is Dylan's last season. Yeah, they have. Yeah, they have. They have. They had that. Yeah, and Brent exactly said that. But um, I don't know. Could that develop? But you're right. They did say, yeah, this will be Dylan's last year. So, but I, I don't know. I mean, is that written in stone? Is there a contract that says this will be your last season? What happens again? I'm just throwing out a scenario where Oklahoma gets really close and they think, you know what, next year if I come back, let's try and win this thing. But I would be surprised. I would be really surprised. Somebody said K-State should never have agreed to play a high school team on a high school field on a high school game night. (laughs) Poke slander, alive and well. The only thing was K-State looked like the high school team. It's always really surprising to me when K-State really stinks it up. It doesn't happen that much. And, you know, they just looked, man, they looked horrible last last Friday night. Because I've always thought – you know, the K-State, the thing you could pretty much count on is they're going to be well-coached every single year and get the most out of those guys. But that was uh, that was horrendous last Friday night. Okay, break time right here. 135, Cade McFarland joins us. We'll talk a little more OU Texas and uh, get Caden's thoughts on SC and Notre Dame. He's a huge Notre Dame guy. Stay with us. We're coming right back. And I think I had another sound bite I wanted to play. Oh, Brent talking about – Staying locked in. We'll do that next here on The Ref. We are back. We are, I was having a, an exhilarating conversation with uh, T.J. Perry and Drake Dyken during the uh, commercial break. I'm trying to find the uh, clip. T.J., uh, he hasn't sent it to me yet, of T.J. saying, Life is a cabaret, old chum. But I, I think he's trying to hide that from me because we could use that from now until the end of time on this show. And knowing you, Steely, we would use it 
on this show until the end of time. We could play that just for a negative tweeter, right? Life is a cabaret, old chum. Have you heard him do the uh, cabaret promo? No, I have not. It's it's really, really good. Really good. Because when you think of uh, stage productions and uh, theater, you think of T.J. Perry. He's up there at the forefront, no doubt. All right, 405-651-3439. Uh, oh, let's run this. Can we run this instead? The bottom clip with Joel Klatt. Because I think we ran the Brent about staying locked in yesterday. But there's a new one from Joel Klatt this morning ranking his top six Heisman hopefuls. And he had Dylan Gabriel up there. Here we go. Joel Klatt talking about Heisman contenders. I like Dylan Gabriel at number four from Oklahoma. Dylan played so well against the Texas Longhorns in the biggest stage certainly in Oklahoma's season. And, and really, when you're thinking about that game, that's one of the marquee games in all of college football. That is, as Toby Rowland, the play-by-play of the Oklahoma Sooners broadcast on radio put it, that was a legacy drive at the end for Dylan Gabriel. It's more than a legacy drive. That's a Heisman caliber drive, what he did at the end. Now, Dylan's game is is built around efficiency. It's built around being a what I would consider a point guard out there rather than than, you know, the, the true quarterback. He's a point guard. When I watch the film of Oklahoma, the ball is out of his hands so quickly. He's making such quick decisions, and you saw that on the last drive. Even if he was throwing the ball down the field, even if he was having to scramble out of the pocket, as soon as he had a win, the ball was out. The last play, he doesn't freak out. He doesn't panic. Rush is collapsing around him, and he just throws the ball up to the corner of the end zone because he knew he had Nick Anderson right there for the touchdown. But Gabriel, I'll tell you, man, nearly 400 total yards against UT, the 75-yard drive with a minute 17 left, that's Heisman caliber stuff. Hey, Clad, I thought you said we were supposed to be scared of Texas last week. Now you're changing your tune, huh? No, I actually still like Joe Clad. He's fine. But uh, he had Jordan Travis, the Florida State quarterback, six. Bo Nix, Oregon's QB at number five. Dylan at number four. Drake May, North Carolina third. Michael Penix Jr., Washington number two. Nix and Penix Jr. will, uh, you know, face each other coming up this weekend. And, of course, Caleb Williams, number one. So there you go. It's pretty much what it's Caleb Williams race to lose right now. But I also wonder if it's Alex Grinch's Alex Grinch's <laughs> award to lose, because like I I don't question that if USC was like eight and four, Caleb could still win the Heisman if he were far and away the best player in college football, because there's precedent for that. You think about a guy like Lamar Jackson back in 2016. Right, Louisville was by no means a playoff contender or anywhere close to it that year, but it was pretty objective that Lamar Jackson was the best player in the nation. But if there is, if the gap isn't that wide, and Caleb Williams leaves some meat on the bone down the stretch, and Alex Grinch's defense costs USC a few football games. Being the quarterback of a winning team that's in the college football playoff discussion versus being the quarterback of a team that's and also ran in the Pac-12, that can be the razor's edge if there isn't much separation statistically. Caleb Williams, again, uh, 
in all likelihood, and we'll see, yeah, how much he gets penalized because they're going to lose at least twice down the stretch, right? I would say so. Probably three times. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame's a three-point uh, fa- field goal favorite this weekend in South Bend. That's 6.30 on NBC. But for him to uh, probably have two of those statues and the only other one being Archie Griffin and having to do that with Alex Grinch as his defensive coordinator is pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Okay, 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Okay, Tom says Penix is a slight favorite in Las Vegas right now. Interesting. He's, he's had a really good year, man. He's had a really good year. No doubt the kid, he started out at Indiana. and uh, Gosh, I'm old enough. You remember the touchdown to beat Penn State? Oh, yeah. Or the two-point conversion, I guess it was. Did he get hurt one year? Was he out for the season? I believe one so. Year? Was that, yeah, he was... Indiana. Been really good for a long time. Indiana was did they start out six that was the COVID year. But they were nationally ranked. Yeah. They were ranked like number eleven or twelve in the country. Indiana. Yeah. What's the most irrelevant athletic program in the Power Five? Top to bottom. Because um, like from a football perspective, you would say, okay, Vanderbilt. Right. But Vanderbilt is like a perennial college world series team in baseball. They've got a pretty good basketball program as well. Um, I mean, like Rutgers, probably. There, yeah, that's Cal seems pretty irrelevant right now. Cal is pretty irrelevant. I mean, they're probably good in water polo or something stupid like that. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Uh, Pete Thamel was on moments ago. Have you uh, have you met Pete Thamel? Have you seen Pete Thamel in person? I was standing next to Pete Thamel. I can't. Is he a guy that used to get stuffed in a locker, or is he bigger than, like, trying to decide? So I, was, I was on the sideline next to Pete Thamel at OU Texas on Saturday, and I was recalling the pipsqueak conversation. Yes, right. I'm wondering I, pipsqueak or no pipsqueak. I, I, I would not say that Pete Thamel is a pipsqueak. Okay. He is not a terribly physically imposing human being. How tall, though? I would put him at 5'10". Okay, well, that's probably beyond pipsqueakishness. A pipsqueak's usually 5'7". Like Nick Saban's a pipsqueak. We said the cutoff was 5'8", I believe. Okay, 5'8". You're like 6'2", though, right? 6'1". You look taller than 6'1", to me. I mean, I I guess I'll take that. You have to go to the combine and get measured there. I'd say six one and three quarters. All right, four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Okie Tom says DG is yeah not re- not reading that big, text. Big, big Rich. Rich, what are you trying to do? Not reading that trouble. text. Uh, Okie Tom says DG is plus twelve hundred in Vegas. Uh, let's see who has better odds than him. Okay, I don't I don't see. Oh, it's it isn't ordered. That's why it's just it, it isn't ordered by best odds. It's just all the and it doesn't show Dylan Gabriel on this page. But um, Patrick says Thamel ripped OU in his podcast with Reese Davis. Really? I I'm wondering whether this was before or after the game. He said we're not near as talented as Texas, and we're very lucky we won. Let me guess. He probably picked Texas. He did. I do recall mm-hmm. that. 
Because Pete was like Pete was the one that was saying linebackers. That's Oklahoma's biggest area of weakness. Look, these these teams play ten times. I don't know. Does Oklahoma? I mean, do they split them? Does Oklahoma win six? Does Oklahoma win seven? Ten? I don't know. They're both really good football teams. Oklahoma showed they are a good football team far from perfect and they're not close to being the finished product yet i mean you're never really the finished product but i mean the amount of disrespect that oklahoma is still getting unless we're paying too much attention to the texas fans is still pretty alarming to me it's it's like there's so many out there that have this narrative that oh texas man they just bumbled and stumbled around i mean did you see how bad they played i mean Oklahoma brought their A-plus game. And Texas, oh, maybe a D at best. Oklahoma didn't come close to bringing their A game. And they won the football game. Not even close to their A game. Shark on the text line says, Texas's O-line was a bunch of pip squeaks on the goal line for four downs last Saturday. That, to me, like I said, Kip Lewis first play, Desan McCullough, Billy Bowman's tackle, I mean – like I said, they brought two Sherman tanks in also, and the Sherman tanks got blown up on two plays. Love it. I don't know. You think it, you're hearing the same thing I am hearing, right? Like, people are not putting enough respect on Oklahoma's name after that win. I mean, I think they're getting more, clearly, but it's still a lot of this, well, you know, second time around. Texas will play better. Well, guess what? Oklahoma could play better, too. Now you just got to go out there and make it undeniable over the next six games. Make it undeniable. All right, 405-651-3439. Yes, everything is about ratings and clicks. That's why we have so many dumbasses out there these days who don't care about a reputation or credibility. They just want you to click. Sad. Very sad. All right, Cade McFarland joins us next on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Keep it right here on the home of Sooner fans. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline, Oklahoma's number one Notre Dame fan, Tulsa's very own Cade McFarland. And we will talk about taking down the mule shoe regime coming up here in a little bit, Caden. Appreciate you joining us, man. Uh, let's start with Oklahoma, Texas. Your thoughts on that classic in Dallas last week? Yeah, it was a masterpiece, man. Um, everything they needed to do uh, to get a win against a really fine Texas team. Don't you hate, by the way, in the aftermath of these games, the revisionist history? You know what I mean? Texas oh, yeah. wasn't as good. Texas beat itself. On and on. Look, those were two really good teams. And I thought played good, good ball games. Right, OU forced at least a couple of those turnovers. Texas wasn't completely clean, but who is? You know what I mean? Like, two good teams get together, some mistakes are going to get made. OU played exactly the kind of game it needed to play. A lot of that had to do with Dylan Gabriel running. There's just no way I thought he was going to run for 113 yards or anything close to it. Uh, I, I had real concerns about OU being able to run the ball against that Texas front, but he changes things. Uh, when he's able to, to move the chains the way he did with his legs. And, uh, gosh, the poise that was shown, the way they handled things uh, in the fourth quarter when it looked like it was slipping away from them. Obviously, the goal line stand that's been talked about over and over again. 
you know, at this point, Bryn Venables is ahead of schedule. And, you know, everything's possible for this team going forward, which is just so much better than, than I think I could have possibly imagined for this team in the preseason. You know, and even then, I thought Venables was the guy to take this program into the SEC, and eventually things would be good. Uh, but things are good a whole lot sooner than I was expecting. Okay, Caden, it's now justifiable to have this conversation. Do you look at Oklahoma as a team with a legitimate title shot here in 2023? And if not... What do you think is going to hold them back? Good question. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I don't know that they would have been in 2022 or 2021 with Georgia, you know, um, a, more of a sure thing in each of those seasons. I don't think that this year's OU team could beat a team like that. But you look at the landscape. We, we were having these conversations in the summer, right? And I offered up USC as potentially a team that could sneak up because Alabama had quarterback questions and Georgia had quarterback questions. And just everybody seems to have some sort of flaw. And I do think that there's something to, you know, what Mike Gundy and others have said here recently that NIL and the portal have just leveled the playing field. and There's more parity. And it's, so, yeah, I, I think from what we've been able to see through half a season so far, OU's ability – both offensively and defensively, the ability to play complementary football. Yeah, they're right there. You know, I stick my neck out and say they're absolutely one of the two or three best teams in the country. I, I might have to see more. You know, I, Texas, I, I don't want to say they haven't played anybody, but Texas is the only team in that world that they've faced so far. Uh, and you likely have to have to find a way to beat them again, which a lot of times that rematch when teams are really evenly matched, you, almost, you kind of give at least a slight edge maybe to the team that lost and has – more adjustments to make what's going to hold them back you know I, I am still concerned you know a week later about the running game about the ability to line up and run at somebody who's got a really good defensive front when they know it's coming I'm, I'm assuming that if there is a rematch in the big 12 championship game there are adjustments that Texas defense can make to Dylan Gabriel potentially running the ball like that um, he's a good athlete you know, but it's not like Vic back there either. So it's not like it's inevitable that he's going to be able to really hurt a team with his legs. That's maybe, maybe not. You got to scheme that stuff up. So it just the ability to run at people when they know it's coming, you know, and then what can happen when, when your offense becomes one dimensional. Obviously, losing Anthony, you know, for the season at wide receiver, I know that they're good at receiver, but, you know, that hurts too. It all goes into the mix. So, um, you know, generally, I guess that's probably my biggest concern. That said, everybody in the country, anybody we would be discussing at this moment, has something that they should be worried about if they were facing the Oklahoma Sooners in any given week, right, or any of those other top five or six teams in the country. So they're in the mix, and you just you couldn't possibly ask for more than what they've delivered so far this year. Kate McFarland, our guest on the Riverwind Casino Hotline, and uh, Caden is a big Notre Dame Fighting Irish fan. So you're, you're under the gun this week here in the state of Oklahoma. It is your responsibility uh, that Notre Dame takes down this evil mule shoe regime coming to South Bend this Saturday. Despite losing two games already uh, and you know only scoring 20 against Louisville uh, last week, Notre Dame is a three-point favorite in this game. How are you feeling about the Irish chances. I haven't felt good about this one all year. I thought that uh, this matchup was more troubling than even Ohio State. I, I still feel that way. Um, I, I would imagine that after, you know, that Louisville performance, we'll, it, Notre Dame's going to bring, 
I, I don't know if I can say it's a game, but they're going to be a whole lot better this week than they were last. Surely they can summer, summon the energy, uh, you know, to be up for this ball game. But I just I hate the matchup because when you're facing USC, if Caleb Williams is locked in, man, you feel like you got to go score 40 to beat those guys. And I think that probably goes for Alabama if they were facing USC. It goes for Georgia. Well, maybe not Georgia. Maybe they're in a, a class. But other than that, anybody in the country, even if you've got a good defense, if you're going to get over on Caleb Williams, your offense is going to have to help you. And I just don't see it from Notre Dame's unit at the moment. They've had some injuries at, at the wide receiver position, which was their weakest probably offensively anyway. Just couldn't afford them. Come in with absolutely no rhythm. Somebody's going to get USC, right? I am no longer. In the summer, I mentioned them as a potential national champion. I, I, I'm off that bandwagon. That, that ain't happening. Oregon, Washington, somebody's going to get USC. They won't be the Pac-12 champion, I don't think. Just Alex Grinch and everything they do defensively, it's not going to happen for those guys. But, man, I do not think it's going to be my Notre Dame fighting Irish this week. I hate to say it. Ooh, little pessimism from Kevin yeah, he's, he's trying to play he's, the opposite theory. Well, perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. I, I hope I'm wrong. Have me on again next week, and I'll be happy to say I was so wrong. Uh, if it goes the way we all want it to go. Now, Caden, this kind of goes back to the national championship feasibility discussion for Oklahoma. But looking around the landscape of college football as a whole, who do you who do you think the best team in the land is right now? I'll say that Georgia's A game is the best. Yeah. You know I, what they did to Kentucky last week. Um, they seem to me to be the team where quarterback play matters the least. Right, like they just—they can beat you a whole bunch of different ways. They don't need a quarterback to stand on his head like Caleb Williams in USC. Um, They're just the best. I I think they've recruited and developed the best now for several years. Ohio State's not there, you know, having seen those guys against Notre Dame. Uh, For whatever reason, defense. By the way, that—that is a legit defense. Ohio State, by the end of the year, if McCord can continue to make improvement, it, they could be a problem, uh, but they're not there right now. So, yeah, i, I, I got to say Georgia. It, it's a fascinating question, though, because of what Alabama's shown us, and especially if you start trying to, okay, where does OU stand exactly? And, you know, I'm not one of those people who, who has the, the gut, the temerity to put Texas ahead of OU at this, at this moment, right? I, I've seen that on some power rankings already this week. Uh, so to me, OU probably has the slot somewhere inside the top five. They're a really, really complete team, but I do see them as a notch at least below what I what I assume Georgia is. You know, they them played the toughest schedule in the world, and and they won't before the SEC championship game. But based on what we've seen, the back-to-back defending champs, uh, we know what Kirby Smart does. You know, in developing those five-star athletes, especially in the front seven. Yeah, it's got to be Georgia at the moment. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Caden McFarland. Caden, if uh, if Notre Dame wins this, we will bring you on for a celebration next week, all right? Buddy, I don't even know that I'll be coherent at that point. I told you guys a few weeks ago, as bad as that Ohio State loss was, as much as it hurt, if they beat USC, it's all forgiven and forgotten. Uh, let's hope good wins over evil because we know where the evil is. It's out there with Muleshoe. All right, thanks, Caden. Caden McFarland joining us. By the way, if you're over 40, like myself, 
way over. But if you're in your 40s, and I think the average age is 43, when your vision starts having maybe some issues, you're thinking about, you know what, I'm a little worried about this. My vision's not what it used to be. Well, let me introduce you to the new LASIK, or quite simply, it's known as lens replacement. And lens replacement provides a permanent solution to your visionary needs. Unlike LASIK, which often leaves patients needing reading glasses or adjusting to monovision, where you're like, okay, can I shut this eye? All right. Uh, it's, it's not easy. Lens replacement <clears throat> can eliminate the need for additional eyewear after your surgery. And the best part of the whole deal with lens replacement, you'll never require a cataract surgery. Lens replacement with the new LASIK is a major leap forward in vision correction. So if you're ready to see 2020, then check out the new LASIK available at the new Break time right here. One more segment to go. We'll get to as many texts as we can. We're going to get locked in. Danny Stutzman was just on the uh, Pat McAfee show. We may have a soundbite for you as well. Stay with us here on The Ref. All right, closing it out here on a Wednesday. We're going to get locked in with uh, Parker and Tyler McComas coming up top of the hour. 405-651-3439. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line here on the Home of Sooner Fans on a Wednesday uh, I am betting that Tyler will have a little Danny Stutzman audio for you probably uh, during Locked In as well, as he was just on the uh, Pat McAfee show. Okay, let's get as many texts in as we can. Daniel Akinkunmi's commitment coming tomorrow for OU. And then the uh, next Thursday, October 19th, the Sooners expected to get Michael Boganowski's commit as well. And they'll talk more about that coming up again during Locked In here in a few. Okay, 405-651-3439. Let's see what's happening on the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Done deal. To the text line we go. Oki Tom has given us a handy Heisman list of odds in order. I'm waiting for it to load. It must be a cumbersome text or a screenshot. One of the two. Oh, here it is. Okay, okay. Here you go. Here you go. It was, a, it was a screenshot. So we have Michael Penix at plus 210, Caleb Williams at plus 225, it looks like, something like that. Uh, Bo Nix, is that Dylan Gabriel with the fourth highest odds? Fourth highest odds! How about that right there? Hmm? Better odds than Jordan Travis. Better odds than Drake May. Better odds than Jaden Daniels, J.J. McCarthy, oh, and Quinn Ewers, too. Quinn Ewers, the mighty Quinn. Did he did he have 17 straight completions at one point in that game? Yeah, look. Yeah, the two interceptions up front were mm-hmm. bad, but other than that, Quinn Ewers played some pretty good football Saturday. I mean, he's a good, solid quarterback. I don't think he's always cracked up to it's, be. But. Well, and Teddy, Teddy was exactly right. Mm-hmm. A lot of Texas fans came for him over his take, but he's exactly right. It's Sark's system that makes Quinn look good. Much better than the RPO stuff, it seems like. Yeah. So I, I guess I, nothing Quinn did on Saturday caused me to drop my jaw. But all in all, he was stable. He was consistent, and absent those two interceptions in the first five minutes of the football game, I'd say he probably does enough to put Texas in position to win. Heck, I'd, I'd argue he did do enough to put Texas in position to win. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the quarterbacks, again, I thought both played pretty well. And people say, Dylan 
missed 15, throw 23 of 38. Did you see what he did when it mattered? Uh-huh. You know, it's – Seriously. I mean, stats don't tell the entire story. Did he miss some throws? Yeah, he missed some throws again. He missed some throws again. But his leadership and um, he's just a different quarterback. He's just a different quarterback this year. And he was – I thought he was pretty solid last year. Clearly missed some throws again. But this year he just looks like – um, the two guys who were already good who've taken another leap, DG and Danny Stutzman, they're clearly the leaders on both sides of the ball. A listener in Wisconsin says, I know I said I hate you on Twitter for it, but thank you for talking about Olipop. It is life-changing. Yes, it is. Have an Olipop. They have a new seasonal flavor, crisp apple. It's quite delicious. There, They love Olipop in Wisconsin now. I hope so. Worldwide, baby. From a listener in the 405, was it just me or did Ewers look scared? His expressions the whole game showed zero confidence. And, you know, I was I was talking to a source last week prior to the game that said, watch what happens when Oklahoma brings pressure off the right side of the line, the side that Quinn Ewers can see. He'll get happy feet and he'll get antsy in the pocket, and he'll make hasty decisions with the football. If you go back and watch Quinn Ewers' first interception, that is literally exactly what happens. And so instantly in that moment, he throws the pick to Gentry Williams. I have a flashback to that conversation. It's like, yep, Oklahoma, mm. Oklahoma knew exactly how they could attack Ewers and how they could exploit some of his shortcomings and propensities. You want to see a rematch, right? I mean – you don't want freaking West Virginia or somebody else in the Big 12 championship game. Somebody was like, man, that'd be great to avoid Texas in the Big 12. I'm like, why? You beat them once. Why not go beat them again? Right? I mean, if you can do it once, you can do it twice. Plus, there is no other uh, greater feeling leaving the Big 12 than to drive a stake in the Longhorns twice. I mean, could Texas win the game? Yeah, obviously. But... Imagine winning a Big 12 championship, beating Texas twice to do it before you go to the SEC and go into the college football playoff. A listener in the 405 says the Coasts and Texas can't stand the thought of a winning Oklahoma. It shines a light on the emptiness of their arrogance. So go ahead. Continue to think less of us. It's just fuel for the natty fire. Well, the the T-SIPs have always had uh, a very strongly held opinion of themselves, and I think the SC fans may not be at that level, but they, they're pretty, pretty full of themselves, too. Steve from Mustang says, listening from Puerto Rico today on the there Ref app. There go. And you guys sound great. Wanted to say that Texas still sucks. Have a cold one on us, whether it's a Coors Light, an Olipop, or whatever. Go for it. Dean Choctaw says, people were saying the same thing about Utah when they beat USC last year, and we saw what happened in the rematch. Yeah, that's an excellent point, D. Excellent point, right? Oh, well, you know, it took this play, and, you know, they, Utah played out of their mind, you know. The rematch was more lopsided. More lopsided, and they just punched you, particularly down the stretch. USC basically decided, you know what? I don't want to tackle anymore. And Utah just took their will down the stretch. Turnbow in OKC simply says, don't mess with Oklahoma. 
There you go. That's a good way to end it. Thank you, Oklahoma Generator, for sponsoring our second hour. Don't forget, Riverwind Casino, we've got new shows happening at the Showplace Theater. Get your tickets on Friday. Ron White, December 30th. Midland, December 31st. And then we have Scotty McCreary coming back to the Showplace Theater at Riverwind Casino, February 23rd. Tickets on sale this Friday, riverwind.com, or go out to the casino box office Friday morning. I think it'll be 9 a.m. Those tickets will go on sale for those shows. we got Carly Pierce at the Showplace Theater coming up this weekend. Thanks to Riverwind. Thanks to you. Have a great Wednesday.